somebody decided that they want to dispossess me of my iPad. So I want that. Can I have my iPad, please? I had my iPad. So do you know where they took my iPad? I had my iPad. I had it in my hand. It's gone. They've lost it, it seems. And now, from the Santon Time Studios, in Africa's richest square mile, this is the Santon Times Podcast with your host, Alexander. Too kind, too kind. Thank you so much. Uh, welcome to the Santon Times Podcast. It's episode 55, week 25, and I hope you're well, I hope you're warm, and most of all, I hope you are healthy as a third wave grips Gauteng, grips Johannesburg, and of course, grips the entire nation. 2021, what an interesting year it's been, and we're almost halfway through the year. Can you believe it? Uh, in just a week's time, we will be six months away from 2022. And I think the last two years for most of us have been quite bizarre and just unthinkable. Anyway, if you are listening to this podcast, you can connect with us on editor at santantimes.co.za. Feel free to email us anything that's uh, on your mind and uh, that you'd like to share. You can also connect on social media using at santantimes and visit the blog at www.santantimes.co.za. And as always, I encourage you to subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating for this podcast on your preferred podcast platform. The Santon Times podcast is available where all good podcasts are available. There's so many different platforms, I'm not going to read them all out, but wherever you're listening to this podcast uh, too, please do take some time just to uh, drop us a rating and a review. It's much appreciated, grows the community, and uh, really pushes this podcast up the ranks. So welcome to you wherever you're listening, from Greater Santon and beyond, including such remarkable places as Denmark, Serbia, Cyprus, Malta, and Namibia. All is well in Santon land, and if you are well, I am well, and we're all well. So, higher lockdown on its way. Let's have a look. We await uh, the president's announcement to see how the government is going to manage growing numbers in terms of uh, COVID-19. But on a slightly lighter note, uh, this past week has been quite good. Uh, in the Santon Times' diary, we uh, managed to play a game of uh, lawn balls uh, this week with the team from ASUS. Well, we had a really lovely day outside. Not too many people. Everyone was wearing their masks, social distancing, all of that. And I think lawn balls lends itself to social distancing. It's quite a... Quite a, I don't know, I don't know how to describe the sport. Uh, you often see elderly people playing this in sort of white uh, outfits. It looks a little bit like normal bowling, except that uh, the ball has a bit of a weight in it. So you kind of have to constantly throw the ball or roll the ball in such a way that it kind of calculates a curve into it. So it curves to the left or to the right, depending on how you throw it. And you have to get it as closest to a white ball as possible, which they call a jack. And it takes a little bit of uh, skill. And I wouldn't necessarily say that it's not a physical uh, sport because you kind of have to lunge forward and then uh, with a good amount of force throw this ball along the lawns and you have to really sort of have a good judgment to make sure that you get closest to that white jack. It's a really great, fun day out, I must be honest. I think if you get into it, it can really become quite addictive. There's quite a few rounds in it as well. I think I, I counted 21 different rounds that you can actually play. We didn't play that many because we didn't have that much time, but it was a good afternoon out and uh, great to connect with uh, the ASUS team. It's probably going to be our last gathering for quite some time. I know I've been uh, calling off events and any sort of gatherings over the last couple of days. I think we're all just trying to stay safe. I think the less you expose yourself, the better, uh, even if it is super sanitized and super masked up. But, you know, I think for many of us, we're also trying to keep our families safe. We're trying to keep our uh, elderly family safe. So it's probably the wise thing to do. And then one of the other last things we did this week was a spa treatment at the Four Seasons, uh, the Westcliff. And I must say, they've really gone out to be safe uh, in terms of their COVID-19 protocols. Uh, it was very airy. I must say, this is one of the great things about this particular spa. The rooms do open up onto a swimming pool. So there's a constant airflow. They've gone all the way in terms of making sure that they've got all their protocols in place. And it was great just to kind of just switch off for an hour or two, experience some of the great new products that they've introduced into the spa. And uh, it feels like you're almost on a little bit of a holiday. And I know we over overuse this word staycation 
information a lot. But uh, if you're looking for something just to switch off for an afternoon or maybe make a weekend of it, stay at the Four Seasons, the Westcliff, uh, with a bit of a spa treatment can really do that for you. And I must say, I really enjoyed that. So coming up on this week's episode, it's our weekly check-in on the Euro 2020. We get uh, into the details with our man who has been keeping his eye on the ball. And I think it's really getting exciting now as we go into the round of 16. Then in the heart of Santon, there's a woman growing vegetables on a mall rooftop. We went to go have a look and chat to her about the future possibilities of hydroponic farming. This is really fascinating. And finally, we all know him from television, but now this doctor has his very own streaming service. We get a chance to catch up with him. But first, it's time for us to check out some news to go. So Johannesburg residents are going to be paying more uh, from July. News24 reports from 1 July, the city of Johannesburg's residents will be forking out more for services like electricity and water and sanitation when the last rates increase comes into effect. It's just rubbish. The increase for 2021-2022, which was announced in May, will see residents pay 14.59% more for electricity. So it's almost 15%. 6.8% more for water and sanitation and 2% more for property rates. Come on, man. Unbelievable. Uh, if uh, you're in the position that I'm in, you've probably started thinking about, well, is there other things, alternatives I could be looking at in terms of electricity? I know we interviewed the guys from Egoli Gas a couple of months ago. And uh, I suppose you could switch your uh, stovetop and maybe some of your heating and your geyser over to gas uh, if you're in Santon. I know that they've got access there. Then uh, water and sanitation. Well, I suppose you could catch some rainwater in the backyard. But I'd love to know how much of this is going towards salary increases. Because whilst the rest of us have all been sitting back and having to suck up uh, salary reductions over COVID-19 and uh, possibly no increases, and if there are any increases in the single digits, what? What increases have uh, government officials and city officials been receiving over this time? Uh, be quite interesting to look at that because I'm sure a lot of these uh, rate uh, rates and taxes increases are going towards those salary increases. As civil servants, it'd be quite interesting to see how you are serving the public by not taking a massive salary increase, if at all. Order, honourable members. Then there's a new sports hub opening in Santon. Several South African businesses have partnered with France-based sporting goods designer Decathlon to create a a unique sporting community under one roof. The three-story Decathlon sports hub will be opening its doors uh, this coming week in Bryanston, Johannesburg. That's uh, with a collaboration with Biogen Performance Purist uh, WeFlow Yoga, Mama Fifi, Lift Coffee, Offbeat Sneakers and uh, Garmin. So we can keep an eye on that. Then the Lee Matthews case resurfaced. And I must tell you, this was really interesting on a personal note because uh, I was in varsity with Lee Matthews at that time at Bond University in Santon. And this brought back a whole book of memories. You know, when this when this entire thing happened, uh, IOL reports the family of slain Lee Matthews has given their attorneys a mandate to keep their daughter's murderer in jail. They were not notified that Donovan Moodley was up for parole. The family intended on attending the parole hearing. Uh, Moodley is currently serving a life sentence for murdering Matthews, a 20-year-old student from Bond University in Santon. Uh, On July 9th, 2004, Moodley, also a student there, abducted Matthews at gunpoint from the university parking lot where he tied her hands and gagged her before pushing her into the boot of his vehicle. Shortly after the kidnapping, a ransom demand was made to Matthews' father, Rob, who dropped off 50,000 rand at a toll plaza south of Johannesburg. And sadly, on July 24th, 2004, Matthews' body was found in an open felt in Walkerville and she was shot four times. Let me tell you, when I was studying at Bond University, it really shook all of us, uh, as you can imagine, and it was just the most insane story. If you knew the students at Bond, it was a very close, very small university community. I mean, we were ever ever sort of 20 or 30 students in a class, and a lot of us, uh, looking back at some of the classes that uh, Lee attended with a lot of us, I remember at the time sitting down with the Student Representative Council and uh, actually putting her memorial together and we had some unbelievable support from a lot of businesses. Uh, the Transvaal Scottish uh, got involved in her memorial service 
And if I think about that day, um, we all gathered in the quadrant of the then Bond University with uh, some representatives from Advertech at the time who were uh, sort of the license holders to Bond University. And uh, we commemorated Lee's life. This was somewhere between her disappearance and uh, her being found. And yeah, it was quite an eerie day, I think, for all of us. And just to think back on that time now, reading the story, it's, it's, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Matthew's family, uh, with help of Women and Men Against Child Abuse, a nonprofit organization, held a press conference at the Hilton in Santon this past week. They said officials from correctional services called them for mediation ahead of Moodley's parole hearing. There was a possibility of an early release, but the family intends on opposing this application and will keep an eye out on this story as it develops. Then on a lighter note, uh, there's some new stores that have opened in Santon City. Uh, luxury beauty destination Arc Swang opened the doors of its biggest beauty-dedicated store in South Africa. It's located in the heart of Santon City. Uh, it's housing the ultimate collection of global and local brands, including Chanel, Dior, La Mer, and uh, Guerlain. It's every beauty lover's dream, if you just listen to some of those uh, brand names. Also noteworthy are the exclusive brands Arc proudly launched the long-awaited Huda Beauty, Wishful Skincare, and Kayali Fragrances into the country as the official stockist, as well as cult-followed favorites Beauty Blender and Atelier Versace. Because people have got to know. Then, the new Luxity store has also opened its doors in Nelson Mandela Square. Uh, it's both a destination point where luxury goods are sold and owners can come to sell their pre-owned design items, provided they are in good condition. All items get inspected by Luxity's team of experts who are qualified to do the authentication process that is required and sellers can expect an offer sent to them within two business days. Customers can also request a particular item that they have spotted online to be sent to a specific store where they can come in for a closer look. And then finally, Adidas also opened their flagship store with a thousand square meters of what they call the most immersive consumer experience on the African continent. Uh, one of the things that they do is that for the first time, South African consumers can experience radio frequency identification mirrors in changing rooms, which automatically detect the product information in order to provide consumers with real-time color and style option. Visitors to the store can also choose from a variety of digital backdrops in the changing rooms in order to test their look in different scenarios. And then a gang was bust in Santon. Police arrested four armed hijackers and robbery suspects in Santon this past week. The suspects were found with two unlicensed firearms and were allegedly traveling in a stolen vehicle when they were nabbed. Police officers from Gauteng's Provincial Serious and Violent Crimes Unit, Johannesburg East Crime Intelligence, Johannesburg K-9, as well as Fidelity Specialized Services, Tracker SA, and Community Active Protection were part of the operation. Gauteng uh, Police Spokesperson Captain Mavela Masondo said they received a tip-off about the suspects. And that's your news to go for this week. Don't forget you can visit the today for more stories. You're listening to the Santon Times Podcast. All right, as always, we catch up with our man who has his eye on the ball, uh, and it's the Euro 2020 ball. It's Jeff Grundling. He joins me on the line. Jeff, what a week again at the Euro. Man, Alex, it has been absolutely wild. And thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's really exciting times in this Euro, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, look, we chatted last week, and uh, there were some um, pretty poor predictions made by uh, some of my guests on last week's podcast regarding the Germany-Portugal game. As those who are listening know, uh, my my bet for this Euro is Germany. And how was that game? Absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. I watched that with... Uh, with a bunch of mates of mine, and it was uh, it was really one of the shock performances of this year. It looked like uh, the Germany that won the World Cup came back to came back to play a little bit, yeah. So it was a it was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance from them, yeah. Yeah, unreal. It was quite a scorcher. I know that uh, uh, Portugal, uh, I mean, just got absolutely hammered. And uh, as the defending champions, I think, of the Euro, uh, I think it was probably a little bit of a shock to the entire system. You were supporting England uh, last week. I remember that's your team that you're keeping an eye on along with Belgium. I think they sent Scotland home. 100%, yeah. So they actually drew with Scotland in one of the one of the poorest performances that I've seen from England in a long time. But uh, yeah, we secured our we secured our qualification and we're moving through and, uh, and I still like our chances, yeah. Any other games that stand out for you in the last week uh, that you want to touch on? 
absolutely. The matches were just absolutely insane. Some of the some of the great results so far. Spain beat Slovakia 5-0. That match is always going to be remembered for the for Martin Dubravka just slapping the ball into his own goal. Just one of the great cat- catastrophic goalkeeper errors. And then Sweden beat Poland 3-2. Magnificent game in St. Petersburg. And then Group F came to a close in in one of the most exciting, one of the most riveting ways that I've ever seen, ever seen possible. And a lot of people on, on social media, on, online, are saying that that was one of the great football days of our recent history. It was magnificent. Germany drew 2-2 with Hungary in Munich, and Portugal drew 2-2 with France in Budapest. And just some of the great games. And as an England supporter, of course, we are facing the Group F the Group F teams in the in the first knockout phase. So for me, we faced I think all four of the teams at one point in that uh, in those two games. We faced them in the next round, and it eventually led that uh, that you and I are going to be facing off in the in the round of sixteen with England playing Germany. Indeed, it's one of the all-time classic rivalries, uh, both on the field and off the field. And uh, yeah, I mean, we don't have to go through the entire history logbook of England's encounter with Germany, but uh, it definitely is one of those. And uh, I think both uh, the Queen and I will be watching on Tuesday, uh, rooting for our respective teams. I mean, the Group F uh, games you were mentioning, I mean, it was one of those, those, those few times where you wish you had two TVs in your room to be able to watch two games at the same time, because they were very interdependent on each other like the log in terms of who was where and who was going to play off and who wasn't kept changing every 15 minutes because not only was it that game's determination as to where they were going to go it was also the other game's outcome that was also going to heavily influence if your team was going to go through or not so i mean the germany hungry game was not germany's greatest moment i mean what a rough game to have to watch it wasn't pretty i mean they managed to pasted together. Hungary had an incredible performance. I mean, for a a soccer team that had never really shone at, I think, at any major tournament, I thought they really played unbelievably. You know, you couldn't be you couldn't be more right. In fact, Hungary took the lead really early in that game and that took them straight to the top of Group F. And then by the end of that game, they were actually going home. It was just a Oh, it was a tragedy for them, but certainly Germany, Germany just, as you said, pasted a performance together and just really saved themselves and, uh, and qualified for the next round. But unfortunately, that is where it's going to end for Germany. In London on the 29th of June, England are going to absolutely rout them, as you well know, yeah. Well, Jeff, I I really hope it's not so. I I mean, if it's the Germany of Group F uh, against Hungary, I would be very worried. If it is the Germany against uh, Portugal game, I am a little bit more optimistic. So it really depends on what uh, team they rock up with. I mean, Portugal, are they still playing another round? Portugal's still very much in the game. However, they are on the most tantalizing of of thin threads because uh, on the 27th of June, their round of 16 game is against the favorites, Belgium. So that's going to be that's going to be an interesting one playing in Spain. So uh, so we're looking forward to that. For me, the England, Germany and the Belgium, Portugal games are the ones that really stand out as the the absolute must watch games. And those are really going to be the those are the two poster children for this uh, for this round of 16 phase. Also quite amazed at the round of 16 uh, coming up uh, that there are three Germanic countries in the round of 16. I don't think that's been a thing ever, uh, that you've got Austria, Switzerland and Germany in the round of 16. I mean, normally Austria and Switzerland make it to the Euro, but never really go too far uh, they've managed to 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 kind of keep going i mean the, the the netherlands against north macedonia game i mean netherlands always a very strong team no surprises there the same with spain i mean they've always had a very strong uh, soccer culture so they uh, they smashed it sweden against poland i must say i'm quite impressed that the swedens uh, the swedes have got such a, a, a strong team playing uh, this year and Sweden are playing are playing beautifully but i've really been i've really been fascinated by denmark's story it's really the it's really that that rags to riches story in the realest way. After the tragedy that, of course, befell Christian Eriksen in their opening game, uh, the game had to be suspended for for some time. Then they came on and played. Unfortunately, lost that game. And then they really rallied. They came together and they performed absolutely beautifully in their last game against Russia. And they're moving on to the knockout phase. So they are they are my underdog story in the in the realest way. They're going to play against Wales, a great Welsh team led by, of course, Gareth Bale. And that's going to be a that's going to be a great a great open to the round of sixteen that knockout phase in Amsterdam, yeah.
Well, I'm really looking forward to to some of the games coming up. Uh, it is uh, really fantastic to be able to tune into uh, some world class soccer again. I think uh, let's uh, quickly go through the round of 16 games coming up, and uh, I'd like to get your your thoughts. I mean, we don't have to go into the exact scores, but I'd just like to get a win or lose uh, sense from you. So, so for me, well, the round of 16 starts on Saturday, Saturday 26th of June with Wales and Denmark. Yeah, okay. Kind of and six o'clock, I I would love to see Denmark win that. But I do think Wales are going to be too strong. So I will say that Wales are going to move on from there. Italy, Austria should be an absolute demolition from Italy. They are playing beautiful football right now. Uh, Netherlands, Czech Republic on Sunday. I'm going to go Netherlands are going to move on from there. Yeah. Belgium and Portugal is going to be a massive game. Cristiano Ronaldo is showing at 36 that he is in no way, shape or form slowing down as one of the world's greatest ever players. Um, I fully expect him to show up. However, having said that, this Belgium team, ranked number one in the world, playing beautiful football. Kevin De Bruyne is back to his absolute shining best. I heard a beautiful quote saying that De Bruyne makes this game look like FIFA Street. And uh, and he's exactly right. He's just dominating the world right now. So I do think Belgium will move through there. Moving on to Monday, Croatia and Spain. I cannot see a winner aside from Spain in yeah, that game. Agreed. France and Switzerland. France should absolutely destroy Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> England Germany is going to be, as I said, the great game of this round. I'm hoping England, and uh, and I do see England as the stronger team in that, especially playing at home in London. It's going to be a massive titanic struggle there, but I do see England moving on. And then Sweden-Ukraine is going to be one of the great games, and uh, and I'm going to have Sweden in that in that game for exactly what we spoke about. They're very resolute in defense. They're looking very strong, and I think they're going to they're gonna move past Ukraine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some very clear winners uh, in, in some of these games, but we've had some surprises as well uh, during this uh, Euro 2020. So, you know, we have to sort of suspend disbelief and and possibly even accept uh, some potential underdogs suddenly rising to the top. If England win next, uh, wins uh, this Tuesday game, I think I'm going to have to introduce you next year with uh, next week with some royal fanfare to, to this discussion. But uh, yeah, I mean, right now, have you got any potential uh, teams that you think could be in the final as it stands right now? I think if England, if England move past Germany, they have an exceptionally, exceptionally, uh, I'll say generous route to the final. So I think certainly if they overcome, and the same for Germany, uh, should they overcome England, I think that is going to be, that is potentially going to be one of the finalists. The other finalist at this point, I'm going to say is going to be Belgium, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, Jeff Grundling with uh, his take on the Euro 2020. I know we're all avid uh, football watchers, and uh, I thank you for taking the time to be on the Sand Times podcast to uh, bring us up to speed and to throw forward to uh, what's still in the pipeline at the Euro 2020. Thank you so much, Alex. Go out and enjoy the beautiful game. This is the Santon Times podcast. Follow us on social media. So this past week, I had the pleasure of meeting Zandila Kumalo, the agricultural powerhouse behind Neighborhood Roots, a hydroponics farm on the roof of Morningside Shopping Center. I went on location for this conversation to soak up this incredible project firsthand and began our chat by asking Zandila about this venture. Basically, in the farming industry, I started as a conventional farmer back when I used to plant on a 2,000 square meter backyard at back at home. From there on, I realized that I needed a little bit of mentorship and some guidance in terms of farming because I was young and, you know, it was in my beginning phases. And then I volunteered at one of the farms just to learn the basics of farming and how to run a farm. But I realized that they face issues like weather conditions, your irrigation systems, and that the world is even facing issues of how land is needed, how water has been used, and the scarcity of food within the country. And with that, then I then realized I need to do some research upon it, and let's find ways how we can make it even better, but still supply food so that we do not have a scarcity of food, you know? Be a sustainable farmer, but you being able just to make sure that the world is in is working in its way environmentally and with that I then realized that there is hydroponics and then I started my first business at Val University of Technology trialing it out and hydroponics then it was working well and we're able to mitigate all the issues and the challenges that we're facing in terms of the world itself and then from there on um, 
the collaboration for Neighbor Roots came through. And as that collaboration started between Flanning and me in the technicality side and also Red Hill, we wanted to be able to bring up the idea of bringing food closer to the market after realizing that then the restaurants are being hit through the COVID scenario of them not being able to get vegetables and we decided that within the sustainability of agriculture we can be able to just take this architect and bring it on the rooftops and that's how the model of us starting here in Senton and being the first sentence rooftop farm that we are able to build here. Well let me just paint a picture because I think it's very rare that this podcast goes out and does interviews on the ground. I mean normally we connect with people uh, via Skype or Zoom or you know Microsoft Teams or over the phone or whatever and this was just a great opportunity to come along and uh, let me paint a picture uh, for those people listening. So we're actually at the moment sitting on top of the roof of Morningside Shopping Centre in a greenhouse tunnel. I think that's the right sort of uh, terminology for it. And I'm currently looking at tomato vines. I'm looking at uh, trays and trays of lettuce. There's uh, spinach, baby spinach. And I see you've also got some normal spinach going. You've got some edible flowers going here. It's quite sensational what you've set up here and maybe to give people an understanding of what hydroponics is for, for, for those who are not sort of in the hydroponics game j- just explain to us in layman's terms what hydroponics farming is so hydroponic farming is adding nutrient solution water to your roots just to help your roots to grow at its optimum best so we put in some nutrients inside the water we make grow granular nutrients, we liquefy them, we run them underneath, which is through the roots, and then the roots would absorb the nutrients whenever it needs it, whenever it wants to, to be able to absorb and grow. And then, therefore, you'd have your full plant after, but we use medium called cocoa peat. We do not use any soil, just to make sure that we, we keep everything in a neutral base. If I understand you correctly, Zandile, you've got these trays of, uh, these are plastic trays, they've all got little holes in them, you've got uh, sort of bags as well with cocoa peat in them, you've got uh, another sort of section here where you've got almost, I don't know what the right word for it is, almost like bathtubs of cocoa peat as well, <laughs> and you've constantly got water flowing through this, sort of this nutrients enhanced water, and that helps these plants grow almost organically but also very scientifically and you can you can predict the growth you can predict I mean you you were telling me earlier on you've also putting in all kinds of nutrients and balancing out the water to make sure that the the plant is getting the optimal amount of uh, nutrition. nutrition to to make sure that it's it, it grows to its best and I mean it's it's quite sensational I mean we're sitting here you've got some background noise here because like I said we're sitting on a rooftop so you've got the the air cons going you've got the birds flying past and uh, we're sitting in this almost transparent dome on top of the the rooftop of, of of the shopping center and you've got the most sensational plants growing here and they just look beautiful and they're growing at uh, such a an amazing rate and 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 uh, consistency uh, it's quite something it's it's really looking at the future of farming isn't it yes it is the future of farming the country itself agriculture has got uh, uh, issues of it being it needs to be environmental safety, you know. And here, the greatest of agriculture with using smart farming of hydroponic systems is that you are able just to make sure that you take care of the world that we live in, we take care of the environment that we live in, in whatever crop that you're growing. So the greatest part is that Flanagan and Jared, with this opportunity and Red Hill, we are able to also give it back into the community and bring curriculums and bring learnings within the kids so that then this hydroponic systems and skills are embedded in the children while they are still young as we create all these um, curriculums through it and with that then you would know at a young age that uh, 20 years to come when you're now saying that we can grow at any space that you can see even on concrete that you do not need actually the actual land the ground to actually depend on it on growing as vegetables we can be able to look at how the environment will, would and how the world would be run in terms of food basically. i mean you touched on it uh, it's mostly uh, it's actually almost only plants uh, so you haven't got any chickens or, or cows walking around on the roof here <laughs> just to clarify that but there's a whole there's a whole business model behind this as well i mean you're not just growing tomatoes and and uh, spinach and salad and I don't know eating it yourself mm-hmm. 
there's an entire business model that you've also got going with the mall. Just tell us a little bit more about that as well. The business model is that we're selling straight into the shopping center, which then helps us to mitigate also the carbon emissions of transporting food from afar and bringing it closer. So our restaurants are able to just uh, order on a basis, on a weekly basis, which helps us to be consistent. And therefore we pack and then we send it straight into the shopping center. We've got restaurants like Signature, Pomodoro and the green pepper concert, the guys that order from us, we are still getting pick and pay on board. We are going to be getting refillery and wellness warehouse because of our vegetables are fresh, they are clean, they are nutritious, and they are able to be eaten and consumed in the most quickest time turnaround of, of, of when a restaurant would want it. So we are selling freshness and nutritious vegetables in their kitchens. I also believe there's a plan to also get a bit of a market stall going downstairs. So if people visit Morningside Shopping Centre, hopefully in the future, they'll be able to pick up some of this fr fresh produce uh, as well, so directly to the consumer. Yes. But uh, if you eat at any of these restaurants that uh, Zandila mentioned, you'll know that you'll be getting it straight from the rooftop. Like you said, there's no transport. Everything's grown, I mean, meticulously here. It really is uh, just the most beautiful produce that you've got growing here. You are busy trialing peppers at the moment, yes. but what are your future plans in terms of some of the other vegetables uh, that you might want to, uh, to bring online? With the bigger picture, Flanagan and Flanagan and Jared with Neighbor Roots and Red Hill, our big picture is to get the whole entire rooftop to be a vegetable garden, to be a vegetable farm, sorry for that, just to be a vegetable farm so that we can be able to get the whatever restaurant vegetables that they need, they are to buy them just here on the rooftop. Even when the clients come through, you'll be getting your carrots, your beetroot, your peppers, your chilies, and you'll be getting your tomatoes, your heirloom tomatoes, and you'll be trialing them out and being able to just scale them out within the roof. Then you wouldn't have to go afar saying, thinking and having a thought that it started at the DC before my life, before the shelf life of that produce starts with me. But then when you come straight to the farm, you'll be knowing that it's, you just got it straight from the garden. I saw it being harvested that morning and therefore the shelf, shelf life starts with you as a client or in that kitchen and therefore when you eat it you can taste the difference of how that produce is inside your mouth and you could actually taste the value of it. You've now got a business model going, you've got a, a, a farming model going, you've pretty much continuously trial and erroring to see where you can enhance it, where you can uh, improve it, where you can tweak it. Uh, any opportunities to have other Santon rooftops, be it offices, be it other shopping malls, uh, taking this concept and rolling it out on, on some other Santon uh, rooftops? We do want other Santon shopping centers to come through and be able to assist because the model that we have as Neighbor Roots and Flanagan and Jared and also Red Hill is that we enhance it so that it's it, it able to, you know, supply the community, they're able to benefit the community and also benefit the restaurants that are within that shopping center. We do set out models. We This is our first model and it has a workability that the restaurants are happy. We, the people who buy our vegetables, are happy with our vegetables. We would like to see it growing within the Santon area and being able to, to make sure that all the rooftops are green to help us mitigate and help the environment. We would appreciate if then other shopping centers would come to us and let us set up their models for them and be able to make sure that Santon goes green within its vegetable farms. How many tons of vegetables are you currently producing on this rooftop? At this current moment, when it comes to uh, your baby spinach, we take out about 24 kilos a week. And then with our baby spin, with our lettuce, our lettuce we take out about 1,600 heads that we take out out of the farm on an output of um, of a month. And then with our tomatoes, it tomatoes we're still child testing, but we're looking at taking out about 125 kgs in a week and being able to supply on a weekly basis. So the consistency of how your model would work around your marketing is quite important also as a hydroponic farmer. Have you got any other young farmers, uh, aspiring farmers that are working with you or that are training with you to uh, potentially also learn the trade? Uh, the bigger picture with us is that we, we will get there, not as of yet, 
but we are looking to put in some workshops of training, some um, workshops of getting uh, youngsters more and being able to bring in some more job creation. We are looking to be able to, uh, to, to upscale it so that we, it becomes a proper ecosystem for, for, the, for, the, for the economy of South Africa too. And we soon enough will announce it once we're starting on that curriculum. We're still working on the paperwork of getting it done. How critical is farming in the South African landscape when it comes to food security, when it comes to uh, access to fresh produce like this? You know, agriculture is, uh, we have farms, but most of the vegetable farms are a bit afar. And the criticality of it is that it needs to be transported through channels in the value chain that we have in agriculture. When you have food that is closer to you, it's quite easier for you to go to get accessibility of it. So accessibility of vegetables is still on a, on a part where most communities can be able to get that food to them or be able to buy food from, from the stores. So when you have something that is closer because it cuts down on logistics, you are able to have the pricing much more easier when it comes to, to a client that buys your vegetables. So I could scale it out and like that if I look at agriculture. A lot of young people would probably say that this isn't the coolest career option. Everyone wants to be a lawyer, they want to be an accountant, they want to be the boss, they want to do, I don't know, funky IT things. Farming always seems like a little bit of a, I suppose over the last couple of years, maybe, you know, not as attractive as some of these other jobs. But what I've seen here today is truly insane. I mean, it's sort of like part spaceship, part science, technology, biology, I mean it really takes farming to a whole nother level. It adds a coolness factor like any other. Uh, do you often get people coming here and saying, wow, this is just totally mind-blowing? A lot of youngsters and that's what we want to attract. You know, smart farming or hydroponic farming helps you to bring that technology in. So IT people who know technology can come through and be able to be part of agriculture. You are able to bring in the science within it, the precision of the chemistry behind agriculture. You're able to get chemists inside. You're able to get your agriculture people who love and enjoy working with the crop itself. You are able to bring in the diversity of jobs within the types of hydroponic farming it has. So it's not just narrow-minded in terms of only people that understand agriculture. Just for example, I'm an analytical chemist. I didn't go study agriculture. So for me to go into agriculture in terms of um, uh, hydroponic farming, it works well because you're able to take your career and be able to also help the environment or combine it with the nature, your side. Everybody's got agricultural blood, but then they start saying no. Hey, it's not cool because of the sun. It's not cool because of the hard work that we do when you're bending. But because hydroponics, you can do it standing up straight and work with your body up straight, which then brings the fun of it. You can add in a little bit of technology, your IT things inside of calculating your nutrients, calculating that, then the IT people get excited. So all that little careers come along into just the small you know, just, just a small tunnel like there in the square meters to just get the crop growing and be able to feed people. Zandila, fantastic. Uh, I think uh, this is really something remarkable. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this grows. And uh, I hope to see you again in the next couple of months to see what the crop is doing and uh, what new produce uh, you bring out. I'm glad that you came through and I enjoy getting people, getting to know and getting the name out there that hydroponics is actually good. <laughs> The latest news. The biggest names. The best destinations. The hottest entertainment. This is the Santon Times Podcast. So it's great to chat to a wide range of different people and uh, a face that a lot of people know, uh, especially from television. Uh, he was uh, big in the 90s and then later on moved into uh, more of the medical realm as well. But like, you know, when you hear the name, you know exactly who we're talking about. It's uh, Dr. Michael Mull. But uh, today we're talking to him about something slightly different uh, than his uh, sort of television presenting career. He's also the founder and CVO, so Chief Vision Officer of uh, an organization called Truth TV. He joins me on the line right now. Uh, and Dr. Michael, before we kick off, uh, you know, so often people say, you know, nobody ever asks me how I'm doing. So, uh, Michael, how are you doing? 
<laughs> Alex, firstly, thanks so much for having me on, uh, on the podcast. I appreciate that. Um, big in the 90s, haven't been introduced like that, I think, ever. So that's a first. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my word. Have Am I that old, Alex? Thanks <laughs> a lot. Great start to the podcast. Yeah, no, no, I'm suddenly not doing well. <laughs> no, Alex, I'm all good, mate. It's, uh, it's been a good day. We just come off a lovely conference and get a chance to chat to you. So doing really, really well. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm sure a lot of people never ask you that. Michael, you're, you're very right. And I'm great. I'm, I'm fabulous. Uh, we're making the best of it as it comes week by week. It's the strangest time, I think, in human history. I think almost on, to align it to our conversation, almost on a, on a biblical proportion. I mean, a lot of people yeah. have sort of, you know, sort of equated the, the current timelines to to things that you read in sort of ancient scripture in terms of You're global right. it's, pandemics. It's, it almost feels like a plague. Yeah. Know, kind of end times. There will be plagues. So, and this is a... This is a global plague if ever there was one. Yeah. Wild, sure. wild. But but just to get my timelines right, so you must have started your career, surely. I mean, I know you, you started very young. I mean, sort of a almost a, a, a youth prodigy, Michael. But you, you, you started in the <laughs> 90s, didn't you? I was big in the 90s, didn't you just say, Alex? <laughs> yeah. <it was. laughs> Alex, I, uh, I started straight out of uh, med school, actually. So what is that? I qualified in 95, so you're right. Yeah, sure. Mid-90s. Okay. Probably had my first experience of on-camera work, probably sort of 96, 97, and yeah, then spent the next decade and a little bit on top billing, which was uh, an amazing experience and, and, and a wild ride, let me tell you, man. Yeah. Listen, it was one of those most admirable of television jobs. I think of all the television jobs out there, that was probably the one that most people were aspiring to. And I think it served you well as well. I mean, it was a grad brad building exercise. You got to go to some fabulous places, got to see some amazing things. I mean, you must have some good memories of those times. Amazing memories. People often stop me and say, you have the best job in the world. And, and I couldn't fault them. I really did feel like that. I mean, I think the the one downside to that, if there is a downside, was I was a family man. So I had a wife, I had a new new son, and um, yeah, Alex, I, I, honestly, I was in the middle of the Tunisian desert uh, where Star Wars was shot, Tatooine, Luke Skywalker's home. You can imagine a boy in his elements walking around this desert, but four hours into the middle of this desert, and I get a call from Jackie, my wife, to say, I'm done. I, I, I've been a single parent for too long. Parenting is, is two man, you know, it's a two man job or a man and a woman job. I can't anymore. And I remember making a call then and there to say, I phoned someone, I managed to get a, a lift out of that desert, flew through, I think, Amsterdam or Schiphol to get home, took some wild trip, but was home in 24 hours uh, with a little Berber carpet that I bought on the way out, thinking this is the last sort of curio I'm ever going to buy. And got home, and I, I remember the look in Jackie's eyes, going, "Wow, you, you're serious about this marriage thing," and and that was a game changer for me. So yeah, the, amazing job, amazing to travel, and amazing to see the world. But th there's a price to pay, and others were sacrificing for that. So yeah, it's a case of finding the balance, and and still married, man. 25 years on, three kids giving me a hard time, making me really feel old. So big in the 90s, they're like, Dad, you know, we weren't even around in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't even watch it because we don't have VHS no, machines anymore. Exactly, or Betamax. Remember <laughs> Betamax? Yeah, yeah, totally. But I mean, that sounds like quite a defining moment in your life, uh, you know, on all kinds of levels, from a career perspective, maybe also from a sort of an existence perspective to make a decision like that. So it's a priority thing. I mean, I we've just come out of Father's Day, Alex, and, and I often say to dads, man, you can you're replaceable, dude. Whatever you do, CEO, CBO, team player, you know, presenter, in any role that you have in life, you're essentially replaceable, except that of fatherhood. You know, you can't be replaced as a dad, and so that makes that the most important role in your life. And and so dads, it's more than just you can't just turn up. You need to you need to give yourself to that role. You know, uh, own it uh, if you are a dad be that dad and, and, and yeah, make the most of it. And so for me, fatherhood is is the most important role. And part of that was actually being there for my kids. So yeah, and it didn't mean toppling came to an end by any means. They were great. They said, sure, we can accommodate you. We'll travel a little less. We'll we'll take Jackie along, uh, which, he, which they did a number of trips. So they were really great about that. But it, for me, it was a case of family first. Uh, you know, that's what matters most. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about Truth TV. How did this come about? So also, I suppose, a priority thing. Uh, I mean, you talk about family first. I, I worry about what my kids are watching. And I think a lot of parents do. You know, there's just this big black pipe of media coming into our homes at a rate of knots. And, and we're not sure what's in that pipe. In fact, uh, Alex, there's a recent report that found uh, on average now, and again, this is a report out of the States, so we can you know, take it with a pinch of salt. But around 8 to 12-year-old children spend five hours on screen media each day. And that's not including time spent using screens for school or, or homework. And teenagers spend even more time. But 
comparatively, as parents, we're spending around an hour a day with our kids. In other words, kids are spending five times more on a screen than they are with their parents. So where are the values coming from? Because five to one, it's media that's imparting values. It's media that's affecting culture. It's not parenting. You know, and, and who's deciding what these kids watch? It's not us. It's a very clever algorithm that's designed to draw them in and entice them to watch even more. And it's working. I mean, screen time has doubled in the past four years. And, and Alex, what, what children watch, I mean, the media they consume has got huge implications for social and emotional development. I mean, how, how kids form relationships, how they identify themselves, how their values are formed. You know, we, and, and so we launched Truth TV. And the question I get so often asked is, another streaming service? Really? Do we really need more? And, and my answer is, yeah. We, we launched Truth TV with a vision to, to step into this content free-for-all with a curated streaming service that really focuses on, on faith and family values entertainment. So on one hand, yes, giving parents peace of mind about you know, what their kids are watching, but also giving kids and giving families values-based content that actually builds up values and, and builds into culture again, as opposed to just, you know, challenging them with all sorts of ideas. You know, I can totally identify with that. Uh, I mean, you know, growing up in the, well, I was growing up in the 80s and 90s. And I remember when, you know, the first uh, Mnet broadcast came out and then suddenly we had KCV in the afternoon. And as a kid, you literally soak up in almost anything. And it's amazing how it, it literally, you know, shapes your, uh, your, your mind. And also you, you can literally recite the Smurfs and, and the Simpsons theme song in your sleep. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, you know, if you put the wrong thing and you can imagine what your kids will be reciting, but you've kind of alluded to the fact that uh, it is obviously a very faith-based uh, streaming service, and yeah. uh, but but it's not going to be something like um, I'm trying to think of some of the channels that you get on DSTV. I think you get God TV, and then you get sort of all kinds of faith-based uh, sure. channels, and and they're very much uh, in terms of just rebroadcasting services or uh, yeah. particular preachers. That's not this is not sort of just a collection of preachers that you can watch at any time. This is movies, documentaries, a whole bunch of other things as well. Yeah. Alex, you said it. I mean, you answered that question for me. We, <laughs> there is, there, no, really, there, there is a place for a talking head and for a message and for a sermon, and, and there are channels that are offering that. On Truth TV, we didn't want to go that way. We, we're, saying, we're saying stories have been valuable throughout human history from day dot. I mean, they've always, stories have always taught us cultural norms and, and, and values, and, and they're a way to communicate what is and, and what's not important to, to one another. I mean, it, stories identify heroes and the characteristics that kind of give them status and they've, and they've got great power in defining and shaping culture. And um, and I suppose, you know, some content is good. Much of the content found online is not great. And we've just got to be careful what we allow our children to consume. And and the reason I say that, this guy called Allen Ginsberg hit the nail on the head. He said this, whoever controls the media controls the culture. And so what we're saying is stories are valuable because as human beings, we resonate with stories. The, the world today is what Hollywood said it would be 20 years ago. Hollywood, the greatest storytelling machine there was. So if we want tomorrow to be different, we need cultural renewal. And one of the most effective ways to impact on culture is to do what humans have done for centuries and is impart cultural values through storytelling. And I mean, you know, I mean, you, you, you kind of, you've been running this podcast for for, for a while now, people love to hear other people's stories because stories that are engaging, they're inspiring, they're motivating, they're memorable. And, you know, the great ones stay with us. They, they move us, they influence how we think and how we behave and, and, and they shape our values. And so that's pretty much Truth TV, man. We're all about handpicked stories, not talking heads, but stories that will inspire us, deepen our faith and essentially nudge us closer to God. And if you ask me, that's, that's the DNA of Truth TV. Now tell us what what kind of uh, scope do you have in terms of the, uh, the 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 base that you've built up now in terms of audiences, but also in terms of content. Uh, you know how the, how those how those progressing. So we've got, as I said, largely faith and family content. Now there's a lot more family content than there is faith content. And if you if you go back to when Jesus lived on the earth, he didn't tell Bible stories; he told story stories. You know, and that's essentially what a lot of family content is. There are great stories that have been told that that have got a a redemptive theme, you know, the, the kind of uh, reversing the curse or, you know, and maybe that's a probably a bad hashtag to use. It's it's kind of restoring what life should be and what the world should be like. And those redemptive themes are themes that we really focus on, on truth. So it's, it's good news stories, but not the sanitized fake, you know, everything's going to be okay. It's, it's genuine stories that, that really resonate with, 
the truth and resonate with this idea of redemption, you know, kind of good overcoming bad. We, we've got some hard-hitting stories. I mean, the, the one that um, we might talk about a little later, Free Burma Rangers, is a, is a great one. But there's there's a movie called Unplanned, where we really look at one of the most controversial issues in our society today, that of, of pro-life or pro-choice when it comes to abortion. What do we do? What do we choose? You know, and we look at it from the the, the perspective of uh, you know a termination of pregnancy clinic. It's a tough movie to watch, but it's gritty and it's real. And my word, the conversations that come out of it are you know are next level. And that's that's also something we're doing. And sorry, Alex, I'm jumping all over the place. You're gonna have to you know rein me in a little bit and say, Michael, just stick to the script. Not that there is a script, but what we've done is we've taken every title on Truth TV and we've added conversation starters to that. So what we're trying to encourage you to do is not watch individually or watch kind of in your little own silo and your little screen but we're saying let's watch this as a family and then let's talk about this content so these conversation starters are three or four questions after each movie that just gets you to resonate and think about what you've seen which means the story just sinks in a little bit more and some of those truths and some of those values have have a, have a deeper meaning and a deeper impact because you've had a chance to process and talk about them as a fan. Well, let's get into this free Burma Rangers. I know this is uh, one of the latest releases on Truth TV, and I just want to play a little snippet from the trailer just to give people a bit of a, a feel for it and a bit of a sense for it, and then let's uh, let's just chat about this uh, this release. Hang on. This is the craziest thing in the world to do, and yet we knew we had to respond. I felt God's voice. Get on your knees and pray. Get on my knees. I look like a Christian nutcase, man. Ice just opens up on three sides. Bullets are pinging off the Humvee like crazy. Everything is just right there on the edge. How far is that going to take Dave? Ah, alive! What's happened to you is wrong. We're going to help you. Even if we die trying, we're not going to leave you. Because you count. Jesus, help me. Ripping stuff, eh? a real Hollywood kind of feel to it, a real life, uh, the story of a, as far as I understand it, an, an ex-Marine who decides to go to uh, Burma and uh, literally set up this almost relief, army relief, uh, well, army of relief with his wife and his kids. And it's, it's, it's real life, it's in your face, it's uh, on the front line. Uh, how did you come about this story, Michael? So almost word of mouth, you know, when you start putting it out there and saying, guys, we're looking for content that, uh, that that's kind of faith element to it. Um, you know, we, we want to tell the truth. And we started putting feelers out and saying, guys, send us what you've got. And we stumbled across Free Burma Rangers. I mean, there's a guy called Francis Chan, a, a relatively well-known speaker and preacher. He just came out and said, guys, this is my favorite film of all time, which is a huge statement for Francis Chan. But then he says this, and I love this. He said, we have too many sermons and not enough examples. And this movie is all about examples. And it really is. I mean, it, it's a true story, as you said, Alex, of a, of a remarkable family who compelled by Christ to, to bring love into war. I mean, it's it's 20 years. This, is one, this wasn't like last year they thought, let's go to Burma and see if we can. This is 20 years of being in Burma with his wife and kids on the front line of war. I mean, Burma's got the longest running civil war in, in history. And I mean, they're literally venturing through jungles and firefights and rescues, and they, they bring and find hope in seemingly impossible situations. I, I've watched this movie twice, Alex, and it's just, it's jaw-dropping stuff. It really is. And it's and it's so real. I mean, this is not Hollywood, there are no special effects. This is a man with a camera, you know, and the, and the free Burma Rangers just doing what they do. In fact, Dave Eubank, you know, stories are centered kind of around Dave, this warrior missionary, if you like just says we we run to the sound of gunfire. It's like, God, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we can help, but we're going to help because that's where help is is needed. Um, and it's it's amazing. I mean, there's a scene in particular, Alex, and, and if you'll oblige me on this a little bit. It's Absolutely. A, it is a spoiler, but but there's a moment where um, they, they go to Iraq. So <laughs> they've been in Burma for 20 years. They realize this really can be serviced, used to service other countries as well. So they take a team from Burma into Iraq, into ISIS-controlled territory, and they start to liberate villages, you know, and, and together with the army, they're pushing ISIS back. And there's this beautiful scene where Dave uh, arrives in this village with his team, and they liberate this village, and a family comes out, and these three little girls just literally hugging on his legs, and this dad saying, thank you so much, and 
you know, we love what you've done. And, and this family then kind of gets in their little tractor or the trailer and they, they, they kind of leave this village. But ISIS, during the retreat, lays landmines. And while they, literally while they're driving off, you know, Dave's saying something to the camera, they hear the poof, an explosion. And, and this family hits a landmine. And that we, you just see cameras running over there, people running over to help. We get there, and one of those little girls that was kind of hugging around his leg is, is I mean, horrible and sad to say, is, is dead. You're doing CPR on this little girl, and they've, they've lost her moments later. And there's a scene where Dave just looks into this camera, and you can see the soldier in him just comes out. He's, he's angry. And he looks at the camera, and he says, this is an evil thing. He says, these men deserve justice. They deserve to die, and I am going to kill them. It's this kind of moment where you're like, "Yes!" And, and as a as a dad, I'm like, "Do it!" You know. And, and then then later, he, he shares. He says that night, I'm I'm sitting in my tent, and I open my Kindle, and I just open the Bible, and I open onto that verse that says, "Vengeance is mine," says the Lord. And and the following day, he calls his team together and he apologizes. And says, "Guys, that was a wrong reaction." It's not for us to avenge. This is a wrong thing. It, nothing can make it right, but we're going to do what we can to love these people anyway. And it, it's just this, it's, it's this contradiction where you kind of you're wanting to go out and you're wanting to take, you know, have justice, and yet at the same time he's so right that belongs to God. This is, you know, it, it, yeah, it's it's one of those scenes where you just it's it's moving, man. It's the kind of movie that you think, wow. Uh, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah, she was, and, and also maybe puts also a lot of your things into perspective when you suddenly think, well, I'm just sitting in lockdown uh, with a full fridge and Wi-Fi. Um, you know, maybe it's not too bad. Uh, I mean, there's there's people with way worse fates out there. And you know, when I was reading the story on this and and also watching the trailer, it also suddenly reminded me of some other incredible faith driven movements, organizations like MTS Suleiman's uh, Gift of the Givers. Yeah, and it automatically, absolutely. in a very different way, kind of thought, gee, you know, this is almost like this, just different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bringing relief so, and being driven by something greater than just sort of profits or, I don't know, whatever, brand, or whatever. It's it's sort of something that you can't explain that's driving these individuals what, to do what, these amazing things. Well, I think you can explain it, uh, Alex. I think that the reason is love. It's this whole idea of... of people first we love these people what can we do to to show them love and love is really just putting their needs above my own you know so no as you said no no desire for profit no other alternative motives other than just to put their needs ahead of mine what can we do to help how can i serve you and i think that that servant heart uh, is is just phenomenal anyone that has that the gift of the givers and you know uh, what dave's doing with free Burma rangers if we need more leaders like that that lead with love. Truly incredible. And uh, just to to also just uh, touch on Truth TV as well, you've got uh, 14 days that people can, can trial it out. So if they're not 100% sure, they want to get a little bit of a, a taste of, of what's on offer, they can trial it out and uh, and then make a call from there, I suppose, on a month-to-month basis. Absolutely. So, Alex, I mean, this is a uh, this is one of those streaming platforms, you know, or offers. Not an offer. I mean, it sounds like I'm selling something, guys. <laughs> it's it's truthtv.com. It's 14 days for free. We, you know, give us your credit card details. We're going to take one round off just to make sure you are who you say you are. That's it. And then it's 14 days. You can watch as much of the content on Truth TV as possible. I hope and pray you watch Free Burma Rangers. If only just for that one round, it'll be worth, it'll be the best one round you've ever spent in your life. And then, yeah, check it out. There, there's plenty of content on the, on the platform. Great content, content your kids will love. In fact, we've got a lot of kids specific content. So if you've got young kids between the ages of, you know, four through to around eight and nine, uh, they're going to love what we've got on Truth TV. And yeah, as you said, check us out, man. No contracts, no commitments. It's, if you love it, keep uh, keep subscribing. It's 129 bucks a month. If it's not for you, no problem. Enjoy free Burma Rangers. Tell your friends and uh, yeah. Fantastic. Enjoy what we, what we could have done for you. My goodness, Michael, I feel like we're going to have to connect again at some point. There's so much to talk about, and I think we've had such a riveting chat. So uh, that's uh, Michael Mole. He is the founder and CVO of uh, Truth TV. And uh, I wish you all the best uh, for the year ahead. I'm sure there's still some incredible content on the, on the way. And thank you for making the time to chat to us today. Well, thank you for chatting to us and turning the spotlight on Truth TV. I really appreciate that, Alex. And again, don't forget, uh, not just CEO of Truth TV, but, but also big in the 90s. I loved that. That was just the best introduction ever. <laughs> Online. Mobile. Anywhere. Anytime. 
This is the Santon Times Podcast. Well, that draws to a close another episode of the Santon Times Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and for uh, coming back every single week uh, to get your digest of all things Santon South Africa and beyond. You can email editor at santontimes.ca.za to stay in touch and to share your stories. Be good to hear from you. You can also connect on social media at Santon Times. And don't forget to visit the website, www.santontimes.co.za. May I remind you to subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating for this podcast on your preferred podcast platform and thank you to all my guests who've taken the time to be part of this week's episode as mentioned the COVID-19 numbers are rising so I do encourage you to stay safe and to stay healthy limit your exposure and uh, I'm thinking of you if you are busy battling the virus right now uh, remain strong remain optimistic I think a lot of this is also one in the mind and uh, it's important to keep an eye on tomorrow rather than dealing with too much of the you know the horrible situation you might be in today. So we're with you, you're not alone. Thank you for listening and let's connect again next week.